Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Oh, gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we come before you and we lift up our voices and our hearts in prayer, praying that you would be here in our midst and help us this very morning. Lord, that we may see your law and your word and see your faithfulness throughout all the generations. Let us not be put, be, be put to shame. But let our eyes be fixed on your word. Let us praise our, with our upright hearts for what you have given us and your righteous rules. Help us to be able to keep your law that you would not forsake us give you thanks and praise for the blessing of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. pray that you would help us as He works in our hearts, drawing us unto you, convicting us, giving us, making us walk in your way. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 36. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and and worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. The favor of God was upon him. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. You have a New Year's resolution Something you have thought that as the change of the year, a calendar cycle begins, this might be a new, op, a new chance for you to try something different. Now often these New Year's resolutions are January resolutions, or January 1st to the 5th resolutions. They don't last long. But maybe you have one. Maybe it is to spend more time doing something more time with family, more time uh, exercising. Maybe it's, not, uh, maybe it's spending less time doing something, less time on your phone, less time at work, less time inside. Maybe it's more specific, exercising or losing weight. I want to leave you with a potential New Year's resolution maybe you have not thought about. New Year's resolution that might help you in your walk. I want to leave you today with a New Year's resolution to be a waiter. To wait. To wait for the Lord. We finished this short series as we've seen people during this opening chapters of Luke chapter 2 of how people have responded to the Incarnation when the good news of Jesus came to them. 
How did they respond? What did they say? What did they do? How then are we to respond when we think about Christ coming down to earth to dwell amongst men? We finish with this short verse, these short verses, about this great woman. This woman who had a life which was filled with hardships, but yet she was joyous with praise. Just in these few verses, three verses, we have this great example of what a believer should do. Not only this great example, but it is a memorial written by Luke as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, included in the Word of God. One that we should seek to be able to emulate. Maybe we should be known for. So who is this woman? Who is Anna? Now we're told six things about Anna in this short little section of verse. Verses. First, we're told that she's a prophetess. Now this is an interesting title given to her. It's used one other time in the New Testament. It's all the way in the book of Revelation, and it's given to Jezebel in the book of Revelation. Now that's not a positive term in the book of Revelation. You're a Christian and you go and you meet your friend and they've named their new baby. Jezebel is probably not the baby's new name. But I don't believe that's what this word means here. Revelation had not been written when Luke had written this. Luke is not thinking about Revelation to base this word upon. He's thinking about the old Revelation of the Old Testament where this word is used four times to describe four women. Miriam, Deborah, Huldah, and a woman in Isaiah chapter 8. The woman in chapter 8 names another child's name that you probably are not going to hear. Maher Sha'al Hashbaz. Meaning the spoil speeds and the prey hastens. But these, three, these four women, particularly Miriam, Deborah, Huldah, have this all connection. That they all lived through great hardship and difficulty. Oppression from other nations. But as they lived through this hardship, of this oppression from other nations, they also got to see the Lord work and move and save His people. They saw God deliver them from their oppressors. Miriam is one who records of this victory in Exodus chapter 15. She says, Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Deborah so too has a song in Judges chapter 5. 
He writes at the end, So may all your enemies perish, O Lord. By your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. And here Anna is named amongst these women who have had this hard life, but they see God work and deliver His people. The second thing we learn about Anna is she's the daughter of Phanuel. Now Luke does not give us any reason why he mentions this. There's two main reasons why this is a possibility. First is that the readers of Luke, the original readers of Luke, know exactly who this is. He's a man who needs no introduction. The second reason could be the connection of why Luke mentions this is because of the tribe which Anna is a descendant. Phanuel and Anna come from the tribe of Asher. Now, this is the only time that Luke tells us why or where someone comes from when it comes to their ancestry and tribe. Again, we're not told any reason why he tells us this. Personally, I see these two things connected. It helps us understand Anna's story. Understand this memorial that is written. First is Asher was not a very big tribe. Weren't a very big tribe, weren't a very good tribe. They're a tribe that failed to be able to drive out the inhabitants of the lands. They did not help Deborah as she went in to be able to go help Barak and Jael claim that victory. They stood on the sidelines. Not only did they not go drive out the lands. They did not help Deborah, but they also sided with Jeroboam, who's in the northern kingdom. They don't have a good track record. However, here, in amongst all this history, you have Anna, who is shown to be a devout woman, who worships the true God in His true temple in Jerusalem. She's not like other people from the tribe of Asher. This is where the name Phanuel might come in. Penuel is the name of city where Jeroboam said in 1 Kings chapter 12, Now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David. If this people go and offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn again to their Lord. To Rehoboam, the king of Judah. They will kill me and return to Rehoboam, the king of Judah. The Penuel is the city in which Jeroboam makes this claim. They're going to go back to the temple to worship the true and living God. So here, I think Luke is making a connection to this. Is This is her history. This is her ancestry. That although Asher and Penuel are connected to Anna, she is a devout believer in God's promises. And Luke often in his Gospel shows us that the outcasts of society, 
For those who are ready to receive and believe, Jesus is the Christ. And Anna is placed here in amongst all these men and women. Simeon, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary. The fourth piece of information that we're told from about Anna that Luke gives us is she's advanced in years. And in the short space of these three verses, in these two chapters, we see Zechariah, Elizabeth, and Anna are all mentioned that they are advanced in years. Del Ralph Davis says, so the remnant church we find in Luke chapter 1 and 2 has a good sprinkling of senior citizen believers, which suggests that your gray hairs and aching bones and are joints, hurting joints, are welcome in Jesus' fellowship. The faithful, the ones who who Luke highlights as those who are devout believers during this time, as Luke focuses on these people as the coming of Jesus Christ, he points out their age. That those are the ones who are advanced in years. But also, even of this trials and hardships in which they've lived their life, waiting for Christ to come, they finally get to see Him. They get to hold Him. Praise Him. They finally get to see the promise of God's come to be. In the space of their life, although they have lived most of their life, the best was saved for the last part of their life. Simeon might be an outlier in here. Mary, of course, is young, but Simeon might be an outlier. But I do believe he's older, advanced in years, as Luke puts it. Because he says, when he sees Christ, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Verse 29. The fifth thing that we learn about Anna is that she was previously married for only seven years before her husband passed away. Now, we're not told how old she was when she married. But seven years of marriage is not a long time. Especially when people got married a lot younger than they did today. But even if she was married at the age of 20, which is a very high number, she would have been a widow at the age of 27. Not told if she had any children. But even if she did, at that young age, they would not be able to provide. So she has this hard life. She, she marries this man. And in this period of time, it's very hard economically on widows. And particularly when we think about the religious state of what's happening at this time. Luke will later write in Luke chapter 20 as he's, he's talking about how the scribes treated widows And he says in Luke chapter 20, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes, who love greetings in the marketplace and the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses for pretense, make long prayers. They devour widows' houses. You wonder if if Anna had seen this around. Maybe she she has this, this book reading club she attends and in this book reading club, it's filled with widows, and she knows of all the, 
the, the devastation that has gone around. Maybe he, she herself has, has seen this firsthand in her life. But she, he or she is in contrast to these, these scribes. Their long robes, their greetings, marketplaces, their seats in the synagogues, and where is she? She's at the temple. She's praying and fasting. And here the Lord records her faithfulness in these few verses. In the Gospel accounts, we see widows who are faithful. And Anna is one of these examples. Anna lived most of her life as a widow. Now, the Greek can be a little bit hard to be able to understand. Depends on your translation which side they went with. Either they've translated in a way that she was a widow for 84 years, or that she was 84 years old. Now, if she'd been a widow for 84 years old, it most likely means that she's over 100 years old. And here she is, advanced in years, serving the Lord in the temple. We find in this, these short verses, this mini-biography of this woman's life. We see that her life is, is not filled with triumphant joys, but hardships and difficulties. But what is highlighted about her is, although she has had all these hardships and difficulties, down the the lower rungs of society, she is shown to be a devout and faithful woman despite all of these hardships she has faced. We see in these opening chapters that that Luke shows this faithful remnant within the whole nation of Israel as they're waiting for the Christ to be able to come. And they're serving God in the life that they have called. Although they might be praying for something else. Zechariah and Elizabeth praying to be able to have a baby. Although they're advanced in years, Elizabeth is barren. They're still faithfully serving God. We know now a little bit about Anna, but what does she do? We're not only told about who Anna is, her past history, her life story, but we're also told how she spent her days. Luke tells us in verse 37 that she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Now what this means is that the, the, the temple is, is structured kind of like a target and there's, there's the court of women where women were able to go and she would be there night and day. Now she couldn't sleep there. It wasn't permitted, but she, what he's saying is that she's there all the time. And Luke records her heart towards God. What she is known for doing, worshiping and serving God. The author of Hebrews says that this is what we should be known for. It says in chapter 12, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. 
What is it that Anna was doing in the temple? She was fasting and she was praying. Zechariah earlier had said in chapter 1, verse 74, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve Him without fear. And here Anna is in the temple serving God without fear. And again, is one of those contrasts in, in these Gospel accounts of the scribes and the Pharisees who go into the temple to pray and to utter and mention their fasting twice a week. That others might be able to see and hear them, yet you, Luke, in these few words, tells us about this devout woman, Anna. Again, the passage says that she does this night and day. anyone was to come up, have you seen Anna? you know where I can find Anna? Most likely the response would be, have you looked in the temple? This is where she spends her days and her nights. You will see her. If you don't see her right at that minute, wait. It won't be long. That's where she'll be. However, we're told not only about what she does, but this amazing point in her life where her life changed. The hymn, Amazing Grace, has a line in it which says, the, the hour I first believed. And Luke says there was an hour in Anna's life, not when she started to believe, but she knew something had changed. The fullness of time had come. What she had been waiting for, what she had been anticipating, had finally become a reality. And this then changed what she did. She no longer worshipped God through fasting and through praying, but then she became someone who proclaimed. Her words moved from supplications to thanksgiving. She immediately started to give thanks to God for what He had done. Now again, we need to see this all as not just these verses stand in themselves, but all of these verses standing together. Here Anna is paired with Simeon, both of them serving and, and worshiping God in the temple. Elizabeth and Zechariah together, Mary in the middle, and then you have Simeon and Anna here together. She's... She's fasting and she's praying and she sees Joseph and Mary come in with this little 40-year-old baby. Maybe she see them made their sacrifices. Maybe she heard what Simon had said with his mouth. And she sits from praying for the kingdom to come to, to proclaiming the kingdom has come. And she cannot just contain herself, she then must go and forth and proclaim it to all those around her. Praise is not merely given to God, but she cannot help but share this good news with what she has seen at that hour. She was waiting with those who have been waiting for the redemption of Israel. And here Luke is connecting all these people together, Anna, Anna Simeon, Zechariah, all of him been waiting and longing for this day. During this time, we see a handful of people who are mentioned who have been anticipating that God would begin to work as He had promised. 
And Luke highlights that these men and women who have patiently waited finally see this day when the Messiah had come. Matthew Poole highlights that it is their names that are recorded in the Bible and not others. In these, Simeon and Anna, the Holy Ghost taketh more notice than of all the Jewish doctors, all the scribes and the Pharisees, whose names are enrolled, while what the person said and did shall remain for a memorial of them, whatever the gospel shall be preached to the end of the world. We see who Anna is, what she does, and then how her life changed at this moment when she saw the incarnation of Jesus. We need to ask the question, what do then we do when we hear of the good news of Jesus? What do we do when we hear or think about the incarnation? Again, Anna, with her life, had seen many difficult ups and downs, but yet she was still a devout believer. She continued to worship God through prayer and fasting. She understood what being a believer meant, and it it did not mean that your life was all rosy. She served and continued to serve God no matter the life and situation she had found herself in. She was patient, trusting in God. There's one truth that, that, that flows throughout, there's many truths that flow throughout the whole Bible, but there's one that is true of Old Testament believers and New Testament believers. And that, that, that we are waiters. Not that we serve tables, but, but we patiently wait for God to be able to carry out what He said He would do. That we are a people of faith who wait. Wait for God to fulfill His promise. The Old Testament saints waited for that snake crusher to come. The promised Messiah. But finally, at the fullness of time, born of a woman under the law, Christ come. And they waited and they saw the truth of this. God sends forth His Son. He lives, He dies, a horrific death on the cross, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven. Now New Testament believers wait. We wait for the second coming of Christ. We live in the middle of these two comings. Christians should be the most patient people because we are waiting people. We now wait. Like Anna was waiting. For Christ not to come as an infant, but to return as a triumphant King. We to be living a life like Anna, praying and fasting for Him to return. Praying that He would come, and He would come quickly. Samuel Rutherford would often end his letters with this line, Come, Lord Jesus. Take big steps. We would pray that those around us would turn and repent because of what Christ has done as He returns. We would proclaim, as Anna did, of of speaking of Him to all who are awaiting for the redemption of Israel. As Peter explains in 2 Peter, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises. Some count slowness. But is patient towards you. 
not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. It's interesting this word wait comes up only a handful of times in the Gospel of Luke. The last time it is mentioned is in Luke chapter 23. Right at the end of Luke chapter 23 when we learn of a man from Jewish town, Joseph of Arimathea. Learned that he was of the council, he was right, he was good and a righteous man who did not consent to the decision of the action to be able to put Jesus to death. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. That word they're looking is the exact same word which is spoken about of Anna and those who are waiting. He was waiting for the kingdom of God. If you continue to turn over, how does the book end? Book ends. He led them out as far as Bethany, lifting up his hands and blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up to heaven. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And were continually in the temple, blessing God. Brings you back to Anna. who was in the temple, day and night, praying and fasting. The, the book of Acts, also written by Luke, explains the ascension of Jesus. They're left waiting. As they look up to Christ and they say that Christ will return as He departed. Christians are waiters. We wait. We work while we wait, as Paul explains in Thessalonians, but we wait. We live a life of anticipating that Christ will come and return. We should be like Anna. Not only in our waiting, but in our worship, in her proclamation of proclaiming of Christ's coming. She was a great mouthpiece of God to share the good news of Jesus. We should seek to Share this news with everyone around us without hesitation, with boldness, with passion and love for the glory of God. And I challenge you to think about a New Year's resolution. That New Year's resolution is wait. Trust and wait in God. Don't be someone who lives for the moment in the present now. Be someone who shapes their time and their, how they spend their lives looking for that time and all eternity begins. Christ returning or we go and meet Christ. Does your calendar reflect that of Annas? Shaped around God. Does your time, your energy, does it all center around God? Waiting. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Let us pray. O gracious and most merciful Father, we thank You for the many blessings which You have so freely bestowed upon us. We thank You for Your Word and these great men and women which we read about in Your Word. 
who are no heroes on their own. They're just men and women of faith. Who show us what it is like to be a true and devout believer. Help us to live this life on this earth anticipating eternity. Living not for today, not even for tomorrow, but for eternity. Help us to shape our lives around what really matters. Help us to fix our eyes knowing that You are the One who will turn to judge the quick and the dead. Help us to do that, Lord, for there are many distractions in this life. Many shiny things in this world. But help us to fix our eyes on what is unperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us in Christ. We pray in His precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.